Comic Scene, the podcast. Episode 4, Classic and Contemporary Review. Welcome to the fourth episode of Comic Scene, the podcast. And today I'm joined by Bimpy Alio. Hi, Bimpy. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, Bimpy, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Uh, yes. So, um, I'm an artist and illustrator, and I currently work in the film industry. Um, I work in ILM at the moment, um, in their art department, and I've been there for the last couple of years. Um, but then I also still do a little bit of kind of illustration and stuff like that, like in my own time. And I've done um, a few illustrations, including like book cover and comic illustrations um, for a, a couple of books as well, which came out a couple of years ago, um, called The Impossible One and The Impossible Two on the run by Mark Illis. And of course, you, you studied for a little bit up in Dundee. Yes, I did. Yes, I did the animation and visualisation course um, a couple of years ago. God, it's gone by so quickly, um, which kind of helped me get my foot in the door, um, actually, into um, where I am now. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, but I was aware that you're a huge comics fan when you did the course. And, yes. You know, and possibly would have been someone who would have gone on to our uh, comics masters that existed at the time. But things worked out okay for you in the end. So yes, that, yeah, definitely. That, that's all good. Um, but today uh, we'd like you to give us your choices of a classic and contemporary uh, comic book review. Now, I do know, though, that you do have a couple of, uh, of options here. So we might not be limiting that to just... Two choices. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't decide. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely fine. So do you want to kick off with your first choice? Yes. So my first classic comic is um, I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and J.M. Ken Nomura, mm-hmm. which was released around 2008. Well, the first issue was released around 2008, um, which is about the lead character is a girl called Barb, and she causes quite a little bit of trouble at school, and she's about 12, 13 um but she then also has this belief in giants and she believes that there's this giant that's kind of like following her around and kind of tormenting her and tormenting everyone around her and her aim is to basically destroy this giant and kill this giant and everyone else around her kind of can't really see what's going on and they don't really know what she's talking about and they think she's a little bit nuts but she just doesn't really care she kind of sees herself as a bit of an outsider but the further into the story you get, you kind of realise and understand why she kind of sees the world the way that she does and what this giant actually is and kind of the metaphor that the giant represents. And by the end of the book, you're kind of seeing her actually then battle this giant. And once, without giving too many spoilers away, but obviously once it all kind of falls away, you see what it is that she's really been masking this whole time and what it is that she has actually been battling and what the giant was kind of, like, covering up. And it is a very, well, I thought it was a very, like, emotional, (laughs) very, very emotional story. And I think it's beautifully written um, by Kelly. And I think Namora's artwork is absolutely stunning as well. And I think one of the things I loved most about his work is that it's all in grayscale, firstly. And I think that that kind of forces you to pay so much more attention to other elements within the book. You're not kind of... I don't know, it gives you a bit more of a free reign, I think, with your imagination of what you kind of expect in terms of kind of 
the giant and the atmosphere and and the overall environment um and uh, yeah i just think the artwork is kind of it's illustrative obviously because it's artwork um but it's all kind of really loose it's very vibrant it's very energetic and i think he has a really good way of kind of capturing a lot of the nuances of barb where you kind of at parts laughing when you know that you shouldn't be because you know she's in a really awkward or upsetting situation but then it also echoes a lot of the illustrations like the illustrations really echo a lot of her emotions really really well and it can be some of the images also borderline a little on a little bit of disturbing as well which I think really showcases what's going on in Barb's mind at the time so I think yeah I think it's really really well done and I absolutely love it I think I've read it about 10 times and thinking about it now I think I need to read it again basically um but no it's yeah it's great the page layouts look you know, fantastic. You know, I've got some pages in front of me at the moment, and the the um they're they're very dynamic. The the page yes, layers, yeah. and um and and it's often you know things breaking out of panels and yeah. sound effects, and you know it is very dynamic. Um, and you know I think it's uh, it's very kind of angular as well. The way that the characters yes. are kind of kind of uh, posed and and uh, it's 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 super stylish without being kind of a manga. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's kind of, you can see those kind of influences within there. But as you said, it's not completely, it doesn't completely go down that route. Yeah, and it's it's really, really, and it feels really contemporary as well. So when did you, when did you become aware of this? Uh, oh, God, um, I think maybe about six years ago, maybe. Um, I tend to, when I'm, usually there are some comics that I kind of know from the jump that I'm going to pick them up and then I'm going to read them. Because um, I've heard about them, I've read reviews about them, or somebody's recommended them. Um, but I Kill Giants was definitely a a buy of looking at the front cover, just seeing it randomly um, in Orbital Comics in London. Um, yeah, seeing it randomly, really liking the name of the title, if anything, and finding that quite amusing. And then seeing the front cover, and then I was like, okay, I'm sold, and just picked it up and. I'm just insanely happy that I did. I couldn't put it down. I think I pretty much read it all through in the first sitting because it just, it yeah, you just kind of need to, to be quite honest. Um, and luckily I kind of got the trade copy as well, so I, haven't, I wasn't waiting for single issues. I could just go through it quite quickly. But it, yeah, it was definitely a case of seeing it and feeling like, this looks like it might be cool. Flicking through a couple of the illustrations and being like, okay, this looks like it would be really cool. And then just giving Orbital Comics all my money so I could read it. <laughs> I noticed as well that it's uh, been adapted into a film. Have you, have you seen the film? I haven't seen the film. I've been, <laughs> they've been, because they've been talking about it for a while and I was really excited when they first started talking about it about three years ago. Um, but I, I think I love the book too much to want to see this visualisation of it on the screen. I don't know if it'll... I don't want to be disappointed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I have been avoiding watching it, I'm sad to say. And I I don't know, I feel like some things are sometimes are just a bit too precious <laughs> and a bit too amazing <laughs> to be really translated on the screen. And I think I definitely have a firm view of how I see, how I see the comic. And I just don't know if um, the film would be able to capture that, but I could be completely wrong, obviously, because I haven't seen it. Maybe I will one day, but as of now, I don't think I'm <laughs> ready to part with 
how I see the comic. <laughs> it sticks in its original format. It's funny actually though because before we came on air, we were chatting about Into the Spider Verse. Yes. Um, and uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that, just as a little aside actually, because because um, I think that's a, an adaptation that that really does work. Yes. Oh God, it does. It works so much. Obviously, they've kind of tweaked Miles's story a little bit here and there, but it just works so well. The dialogue is amazing. The visually, it's absolutely stunning. It's one of the best visual animations I've. It's just one of the best things I've ever seen. It just looks so so good, so sleek. The animation is beautiful. I think the. The different kind of all the kind of different um, Spider Men they had in it as well, like um, with Gwen and Noir, like it all worked so well despite them all coming from different universes. I think the visualization and the stylization it all helped to work well together, and yeah, it's it was a really good, really successful adaptation. I think, and it'd be good to see more of that i feel like it'd be good to see if they are going to do these adaptations it would be good to see them trying something new visually as well that really kind of stands out but also tells the story in a different way because then i think it just it sets it apart from just being the usual kind of okay this is the story this is how we're now gonna showcase it and you're like it becomes it starts to be something you come to expect Mm -hmm. but with something like spider-verse you just kind of it was just visually so amazing that you were just like whoa okay tweak the story how you want it fits perfectly it just works so well yeah no i'd agree i thought it was one of my favorite um animation films of all time if i'm being honest with you and i, and I was going into it uh, being quite cynical about it as well i think being a fan of the comics you know I yes thought, yeah i don't know how this is going to translate you know and yeah. they totally nailed it on every front you know the design Definitely. the animation the the characterization the script was yeah very sharp you know so yeah um back, no, back, to, great. back to your original choice uh we've di- uh, di- diverged a little bit from from where we were but yeah <laughs> um so there was seven uh is there seven uh, issues of the original series yes there are yeah and it's been collected as well you said yes yeah yeah yeah. so i've got the copy of the trade um so yeah it's just seven it's literally just seven issues and it's just so so short and so sweet but it manages to puck pack 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 such a heavy punch like the development of barb's character you kind of it's you don't even really realize kind of what she's really going through till the the end and you catch glimpses of it and you kind of go from feeling a little bit well at least for me a little bit like okay this girl's angry okay whatever what's going on here and by the end of it you are fully you are fully taken with it. You kind of fully understand why it is that she's kind of acting the way that she does, what this giant actually is, what it actually represents for her, what it is that she's really going through. And I think, I think there are a lot of elements within it, which I could actually really associate with in terms of my personal life as well, which is why I think I was able, which is why I think I found it really emotional. I did really engage with it quite well. Um, and I think anyone that has kind of maybe experienced something similar within the book, again, without giving away too many spoilers, might feel the same way, to be quite honest. It really does. It's a really good representation, I think, of, um, at least from my experience, of a young person who's struggling with something quite devastating happening within their life. And, yeah, I just think it's so beautifully written and so beautifully illustrated. 
<laughs> no, I, I'd agree. I have to say that, the, and 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 weirdly, the grey the grey scale toning on it is, is yeah. perfect for it. I think you know. I, yeah. I don't think it would work in colour. What they've done in, with the covers is quite interesting, where they've just yes. gone for single flat colours, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which again adds to that kind of design, you know, uh, ethic of the whole of the whole mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a fantastic choice, uh, and uh, I think uh, I'd recommend it. Uh, as well, uh, if you've not actually read it and, and pick up either the individual issues or the trade. Um, okay, so what's your second choice? My second choice is a great one. Well, they're all great, but a very popular one and another special favourite of mine, um, which I'm sure it is of many other people's, but it's Saga hmm. by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm sure most people are, are uh, yeah, know quite well. Um, but it's basically the best way to describe it, and they've described it as this way themselves, is kind of like an intergalactic um, Romeo and Juliet type esque story, which is at least how it starts with two characters on opposite sides of an intergalactic war that's been going on for so long that nobody even realizes why it's going on anymore. Um, they get together, and that's not a massive spoiler because you see within pretty much the first page, first issue, um, they get together, they have this baby, and then it's basically a story of them kind of over a course of a few years being chased by all these people that want them because they represent um, the fact that there can be unity within this within the world that they live in, which is now kind of like war torn. And obviously they don't want the news getting out that these people on opposite sides um, have basically made a baby. And it's, yeah, there's just so many ups and downs and Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples, they just kind of put you on this whirlwind of, okay, we're going to give you this much of the story. And then they go on this extended hiatus. They're literally on a hiatus at the moment after just dropping the biggest, most ridiculous, upsetting bomb ever. Um, in the last um, in the last volume, which is volume eight, and it's been going it's been going on for a while now. It's been going on for about six seven years, um, and it's just yeah, it's a whirlwind for me. It's the comic equivalent of Game of Thrones. Like no one is safe. Just when you think you're getting comfortable with the story, with a, like one of the storylines or whatever's going, they just sweep in and literally just don't even care and will just do whatever they need to but it works because everything that happens within it are major story arcs and they really do help to push the story along they really do help to push the characters along as well and give them further development and especially because it's been going on for quite some time you kind of tend to maybe get jaded of a character you kind of think okay well they're not developing that much um but then they go through all these kind of like peaks and troughs and all these major things happen that force them along in their own personal journey but then within their journey as a group and characters that are the worst um in the beginning do a complete 180 and become like your favorite characters but again it's not just through by the hell of it like they've kind of redeemed themselves in this way and you yeah they're all very very endearing and it's been amazing to see how um fiona's artwork has really kind of progressed yeah. um as the series has gone on and kind of gotten again more kind of dynamic more expressive um very funny as well and she's able to convey quite a lot using kind of I don't know what I feel like are quite simplistic shapes in within quite simplistic means like it's not 
as you see some comics which are very highly detailed, which I think are beautiful and which I love as well, but she, her artwork is what I absolutely love for its simplicity. And I have seen her do quite a, quite complex lines and complex colours in other things that she's worked on. But I feel with Saga, there's a, a very simplistic nature, which again, works so well and is only really, really aided the storytelling. And it was her artwork, which kind of pretty much made me pick up the book when I did again I hadn't heard about it um I think I've been reading it for about yeah since it came out I had no idea what it was I literally just saw the front cover at Comic-Con and thought oh okay this kind of looks quite cool I'm gonna pick it up I picked it up and I haven't put it down since and I've been rereading it during hiatuses I will reread it again during this current hiatus um and it's, yeah, it's great. It's a really, really good story. Really, really good story. Really good character development. Yeah. Um, some really important themes as well. Like the last few issues, the last uh, couple of volumes actually have been qu- quite hard hitting because there are a lot of comical moments and a lot of comical elements in there. Um, but also it can get really, really gory. They're not afraid to kind of show whatever. It's definitely a PG-18, a high <laughs> amount of gore nudity vulgarity but i feel like a lot of it do, does aid the story it's hugely, that makes sense yeah yeah it's hugely uh, influential as well uh, art style wise i think uh, yeah i can certainly see its influence from when it came out you know and, and some some of the students coming through you can see you know the influence of uh, fiona staples artwork in yes there, definitely yeah and actually you know it's, it's very deceptive because like you say it's quite a, a simple style, but uh, it, it, it kind of uh, it kind of hides how complex uh, the mm-hmm. work actually really is, you know. Yeah, I love it. I think um, when I first picked it up, I was kind of just like, okay, I haven't really seen um, anyone approach it, like approach comics at that time at least in this way. And as you said, I think a lot of people, especially younger people, kind of been quite influenced by the style and the route that she's taken and um yeah I, I think it works really 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 well really really well I think the colours are absolutely beautiful and because there is so much happening within this world I think as I said I think she's really able to convey a lot of these key moments and a lot of the key emotions very very well due to that simplistic nature like especially in the most recent volume which I know you don't have in front of you but I'm looking at it now um, the last, like the last ten pages or so, are pretty <laughs> heavy hitting and devastating, and um, it's just so simplistic, but just so well done and so fitting to like the characters. I feel like they fully, obviously everyone does, but I feel like especially reading Saga, like they've just fully realized these characters and just fully develop them and the moments that they allow them to have are just so yeah i find it so ridiculously believable like saga is the one comic that i feel like when i'm reading it i really feel like i'm actually watching it as opposed to reading it i feel like i'm seeing it on a big screen and i feel like i'm seeing this thing actually happen in real time maybe it's just because i've read it too much but (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that's interesting though because it is, it's not just the art, obviously. It's a combination yeah, yeah, exactly, of yeah. you know, the script and, and the art. And it's one of those partnerships that, that just works. And it, and it, yes. seems, uh, and it seems effortless as well. 
uh, I'd certainly again looking at some of the, the the other issues I've got in front of me, the uh, the action sequences and how dynamic they are, uh, without you know, without overdoing it, I think is yeah. really really clever. Um, you know, so and uh, and, and there's actually some really nice inserts where there's some sort of painted work as well. Yeah, uh, it's or, yeah, I love you know. it. It's beautiful. Like it's, you see, it especially on the covers. But yeah, like I've seen her. Um, I've watched like her actual process and how she kind of goes about doing things and her painting process for it all. And she does have it. And she said as well that she kind of has it pretty much locked down and just kind of cracks on with it. But, um, but like her, like they, there's also like a, a very clear formula. Like usually the first page is like a full page. And then like every new chapter tends to kind of start with a full page. There aren't that many breakouts within the frames either. Um, I think she does like to keep it all kind of quite, contained which i think which i never really see much of so it's i've always found it really interesting that she does that because then when you do have those first and last pages which may be then just like full page i feel like it adds this extra punch and this extra weight because usually everything is so contained basically the kind of duality between them just works so well between staples and vaughan and i think um I, they've created this really believable world and they've taken quite a as most stories do quite a simple theme and quite a simple idea and allowed it to evolve into such a complex nature and a lot of the themes that they kind of address like in the more recent issues without being a spoiler they kind of kind of look into um oh I don't know how to say it without it being a spoiler actually <laughs> um but Oh, yeah, it'll be a spoiler, so I won't say it, actually. Um, but, yeah, they do address kind of really strong themes and strong ideas, but they do it with this air of, well, you know they're really hard-hitting, but they allow you to see it through the gaze of a child mm-hmm. and how this child, like, how their child views this world and all that kind of stuff, which just makes it so endearing and you just kind of... That's what allows you to kind of still say, still stay so attached to it, despite all these horrible things that are happening, like people dying all around, like this one child who's at the centre of absolutely everything has still got this like innocent charm. And when you kind of see the world through her eyes and the story is told through her, basically, um, it, I don't know, I think that really helps to kind of keep you going with everything, despite how sh- like how bad a lot of the stuff is and all these characters being cold you're like oh my god but yeah seeing everything through hazel's eyes is i think pretty is pretty special and especially with a lot of the hard-hitting things that happen and that innocence that kind of is able to stay throughout as a result of it being told through her and um, i think is pretty has been pretty important well it's interesting though as well what we're talking about earlier about adaptation as well and it's yeah. something that that hasn't been you know uh, adapted yet and to be honest with you i kind of hope it, it doesn't same same it's like a kira for me it's one of those things where it just i think it just needs to be left alone i know there's always people like talking about it like will there be a saga adaptation there should be i just think it's too broad i don't think anything on screen would be able to do it justice yeah. at least if they're going to put it on screen it needs it can't it shouldn't be a film it needs to be like they need to order 10 seasons worth straight away because it's just so much going on within it and there's I think there's so much development that needs to happen like I feel like it starts off with these two main characters but then it becomes so much broader than that like with every story but everybody has equal weight I feel like it gets to the point where you've got the veteran characters that you know and love but then all the characters that they introduce they give they allow them 
room and space to develop and to grow and to change, whether it's they turn from good to bad or bad to good, you kind of go on this journey with them as well. It becomes so much more than just being those two main characters and just about them raising this child and all the stuff that they kind of go through as a result of trying to do that. Um, But also it does a lot of time skips, which I think have been important. At the beginning, when I was first reading it and they did the first major time skip, I was like, whoa, I feel like I've been cheated out of time here. But um, you kind of realise quite quickly, and as they start to do it more and more, that it's needed, because otherwise the story just can't move on. You just go through the same process over and over again, and it allows those characters also space to suddenly grow. And you kind of think, well, why are they doing that now? But then they start to you kind of see retrospectively why they are now making a lot of the choices that they're making, why they've hardened this, that and the other. And it's great. (laughs) (laughs) And do we know how long it's going to be uh, on hold for? Uh, Well, usually it's like a year or so, but after this recent bomb that they've just dropped, I'm going to be surprised if they kept us waiting for a couple of years because it's every time you think, you know, where the story is going, they just literally pull the rug out from under you. And you're just like, I just don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, what are they doing? What's happening? And I think I read somewhere that um, uh, Brian K. Vaughan does kind of know where he kind of wants to take it or something like that, or he kind of knows what the end point is. But it just seems impossible to figure out sometimes with the end of every stage before they go on hiatus. You just don't really know. At the beginning, you kind of think you know what the path is going to be for Hazel when she's telling the story. But by the end of this most recent issue, you've just got no idea at this point you don't know what's going to become of any of the characters anymore and it's it's annoying and upsetting because you invest so much in them but at the same time I think that's what's made it such a good story and I feel that that's kind of despite it not being (laughs) that realistic I feel like that also grounds it in realism that you're not that you kind of know that everyone and everything is almost kind of dispensable in a way for want of a better word or not everything will kind of last forever i think that's been quite important as i said it's definitely the game of thrones of comics for me can't be trusted <laughs> it's like you can't be trusted at all drip fed it every you know every few years or so <laughs> you know yeah exactly but, that, but that's really interesting because it is ongoing as well and it has yeah. you know so i think that that is quite a, a smart move to keep to keep the interest going, you know, over, oh, definitely. Over the years. and uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when it eventually comes to an end, how it how it all holds together. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's. Uh, I, I don't even know what I hope for the ending to be. I just hope that it is true to who the characters currently are at that stage, and that it's. I don't know. I I wouldn't want it to be all wrapped up nice and neat because that's just not the world that's been created. Mm-hmm. Um, despite it kind of having this kind of like ideas as well of kind of like hope and everything. Um, I just don't feel that that's what it is necessarily at its core. I feel like it's more than that. So if it doesn't all end, end all happy and everything, I'll be very happy with that. Cause I feel like that's not what it's always been entirely about, but yeah, I've got no idea where it's going. I thought I did. Now I've got no idea whatsoever, <laughs> which means I'm going to keep on reading like loads of other people are, I'm sure. Although after this last volume, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have quit it now because they've shattered a lot of hearts. I'll say that. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the, the ninth volume, is that correct? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows when the tenth is going to come out. <laughs> it's going to be a long wait, I think. It's on permanent hiatus right now or something like that. But hopefully no longer than a year because, yeah, it 
I need to read more. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get you back on when when the next <laughs> the next one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be crying or something like that. <laughs> oh God, too many emotions with this comic. <laughs> okay, uh, so I think we're gonna move on to your uh, more contemporary choice. Yes. Do you want to tell our listeners what that is? So this one is called Giant Days um, by John Allison, Max Sarin, Liz Fleming and Whitney Coogan. I hope I said that right. Um, this is yeah one that I picked up more recently. It started off as a webcomic mm-hmm. and now they've kind of gone into trade. They're currently on volume seven. And this, again, was just a classic case of just like walking into Orbital Comics. I saw the front cover because I think it popped up as well in my Amazon wish market basket at some point or recommended and I thought, you know what, this looks pretty cool and just picked it up randomly and I just haven't stopped reading it since. It's basically, firstly, it's like a British comic, um, which I think is the it's the only kind of British English story that I'm reading at the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the references, I'm just like, I know completely what they're talking about. First and foremost, they'll be talking about Sheffield or whatever. Um, <laughs> but basically it's a story, it's a um, story of like some students who've got kind of three... Three main students, um, like Esther, Susan and Daisy, and they're basically starting university in Sheffield. (laughs) And so it starts off in their first year. And now, if I remember correctly, they're going into their third year. But it's just basically the trials and tribulations, all the ridiculous things that they kind of get up to. They're all completely different kinds of people. Like one of them is a kind of book smart, doesn't like to take risks. One of them is a kind of just like, doesn't care about anything, heavy smoker, just likes to drink and chill. And the other one um, is like the goth girl from a really rich background, but they're all just kind of like pulled together by just the nonsense that they get up to. And there are some like other supporting characters in there as well, but it's just, it's just funny. It's just funny as hell. I don't think I've laughed so much at reading a comic um there's never anything that's like so far from what i've read that's kind of um that's dealt with anything too heavy I, it just feels like i'm being transported back to like my teenage years well i'm only 29 now but um but i feel like i'm being transported to my own like university life of just <laughs> just some of the ridiculous things that would go on some of the ridiculous people that you would meet um the dialogue is just great because you just know that it's just so true and the artwork is just absolutely amazing i think it's just so expressive and just so exaggerated in so many ways that it just makes it perfect it's just yeah i think it's just it's just great um i absolutely love it and it's kind of yeah they just experiment with a lot of the panels as well in certain ways um the characters are great and just there isn't a tremendous amount of development because I just don't think there's needed. There is that much that's needed because they're just like a couple of teenagers just doing ridiculous things and they go through all these things and grow as a result. But there's nothing major that happens that causes them to kind of fully definitely expand except for a couple of things. But it's just, yeah, I think it's really, really well done. It's hilarious. The dialogue's amazing. Um, yeah, it's just laugh out loud comic genius <laughs> in my mind at least I mean, there's just so much in there it's great <laughs> the artwork does look amazingly dynamic and i've got some yeah. pages up in front of me and uh, and I, I could see the sort of uh, web comic influence but it looks yeah, like definitely. it looks like it looks like it's collected you know really nicely and uh, 
and the colours are, are fantastic on it. Yeah. They, they really pop. Uh, they, they really pop on screen, and I'm sure they they, they pop in, in print as well. Um. So yeah, was it? Uh, did it did it strike a chord with you because of your your uh, student background? I'm, I'm sure it was nothing like that. <laughs> a little bit, but I think it was just more like usually the comics I read are heavier things, like yeah, like Giant Days saga or things that are a bit more. Um, I don't know, sometimes more gory or just sometimes a bit more, you know, I never tend to read comedy comics, so to speak, not for not wanting to, but just because I've never, I just never happened to pick them up. And so I think it was after the first issue, like I loved the artwork. It was a different artist at that point. Um, But um, so I think it started off as Liz Fleming. No, not Liz Fleming being the main artist. I think it started off maybe as Lisa Trayman being the main artist and she still does all the cover art. Um, she was a main um, illustrator, I think, in volume one, but then in volume two, it changed to Max Sarin. But the he adopted, I don't know if it's his natural style as well, but he adopted her style quite well um, and quite quickly. And it's become a lot more streamlined as well as a result, I think. Um, so I think it was just, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was the reminiscing of like university days and just being like 16, 17 in general. But then... I just think how much I laughed at it and how much, how believable the characters were because I know people like these characters, like I'm friends with people like these characters and just, yeah, the illustrations, I just think are brilliant. The expressions are absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I was sold after the first volume to be quite honest. I think after the first few pages, I was completely sold. I thought, I yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say the covers that are really striking on on the collections as, yeah. as well, and uh, and the design of it as well. And again, I, I wonder how you know autobiographical the stories are. It'd be interesting, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to try to try and find that out, you know, because uh, you know, like you say, it, it does get quite it's quite wacky at times as well. I think. Yeah, definitely. Know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's got a very contemporary feel as well. So it's you know it does feel very now, you know. Yes, uh, yeah. From 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 the trends I see I see coming through anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean the the the, the front covers, like you say as well, they're iconic. I think and uh, and uh, it, it's not one I I was familiar with. If I'm being honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm quite the the target audience uh, <laughs> for it. My student days were a bit bit further back but you know there's possible uh crossover there uh looking through some of the pages here that, that are that are online there's actually quite a lot of examples of it uh, yeah online is it still going as a web comic you know, um i'm not too sure this is something i should have checked beforehand because i just i yeah i as i said i just picked up an orbital i hadn't really like heard of it beforehand and i hadn't even checked actually see if it was still ongoing um but i wouldn't i'm not entirely sure about that i should check I don't know. Now they're just kind of making it solely for trade. I think, yeah, I think it's it was from two thousand and two to two thousand and nine, but I'm not entirely sure. Yes, yeah. But that originally, but um, um, but there's definitely it's definitely uh available digitally through Comicsology and and places uh like that. But I suppose the collections are are the best way. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the stories just lead on so well to each other. Like there are a lot of um. A lot of the stories, they kind of make them a little bit isolated, but then there is a like a running theme kind of going on. So it's different from like things like Saga or Eichel Giants, where you've just got the same kind of theme going on throughout and there, you know, that there's essentially an end goal in sight. But with this, it's kind of like a collection of um, intended stories, kind of so to speak. So each 
each volume is its own kind of collection of something that is kind of happening. And sometimes each issue is a little bit isolated in itself as well. But then there are still some main themes that run underneath the radar with that like things that they kind of carry over but i i do really like that approach to it it keeps the stories fresh it keeps the ideas fun and ridiculous like one of the pages i'm looking at now from volume seven i've just realized they're on volume eight my apologies not volume seven but i'm looking at volume seven now and there's um one of the stories is like one of the lead character one of the side characters who they kind of get really they're not really big fans of but he's like dating someone online so they incorporate a lot of current trends into things as well um but he's like dating someone online and they've all kind of and then he's getting married online and so they've all decided to like go to it because he invited them and it's just this world of warcraft-esque <laughs> kind of environment so you kind of get to see all the characters as like orcs and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and i just feel things like that are just i think are hilarious because it's also really fitting the characters and who they will choose to be is really fitting to who they all are as characters and how they've all developed and and yeah i just think it's i remember reading those pages and just i think crying with laughter i think it's just absolutely hilarious some of the things they get up to some of the things that you would think that you'd find quite annoying you're kind of like this is actually really endearing and and just remembering uni and thinking how you are just placed with all these people that you think do we have anything in common and you seem like out on the surface like the most mismatched kind of people but then they tend to be the people that you are the closest to because you just share these ridiculous fun experiences with and I, yeah, I think this is just, I think Giant Days is just full of humour, colour, joy. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It is definitely one of the best things I've been reading um, in the last couple of years. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, looking at the pages, I have to say, yeah, it looks amazing. But um, it's it doesn't look very British, actually, which is quite unusual. I, I know it's set in Britain, but the actual yes, dynamic yeah, yeah, of it, you mean, yeah. it does feel more like a... An American or even a, maybe yes. a, a European style, and actually we lend itself quite nicely to to animation. The the way yeah. the characters are drawn and the stylization of the characters, um, and the way the characters uh, act, I suppose. Yeah, it, it would it would really lend itself to to uh, a sort of short animation. Without a shadow of a doubt, like hopefully with the same artist as well. But sorry, yeah, I should clarify. That's what I meant by it. Sorry, when I said it being British, I meant like British and um, author writer, as far as I'm aware, and it being set. Um, in Britain but yeah it is definitely visually it doesn't give off the kind of typical um, kind of British style I think of comic but I think it's definitely yeah heavily influenced by American kind of style comics and it's starting off as a webcomic as well I'm not kind of surprised with that. Yeah no no I mean it does look absolutely fantastic and it's actually something that you know even though I've not not read it I quite fancy uh, picking it up you know uh, as a, as a piece of research, I think you know. I think it would be good, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could check that out. Fantastic! No, that's a, that's a really good choice, uh, So, is there anything else that you're picking up? I mean, I mean, I've got to admit, you know, if, if I'm being honest, you know, coming into this, I'm I'm slightly surprised at your your choices uh, in, in some in some of them because I know your background and I know your, your I was expecting a bit more superhero action in here. Yeah, but, you know. yeah. I've I've been deviating from that for the last couple of years actually I think I think just because I wanted to kind of broaden the kind of things that I was reading and kind of see other stories I guess like yeah. and I think because it's there are just so many superheroes out there at the moment there was a point where all I was reading were superhero comics but I think it was after I picked up um saga that I then started to kind of 
read other kinds of things, I guess. And um, and I love, um, I was reading a lot of image um, comics at the time as well. Um, and obviously they're not usually like, their IP isn't usually kind of superhero type stuff. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what helped me branch into other things superheroes were definitely my gateway and i think they'll always hold a very 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 special place in my heart without a shadow of a doubt um but i think it's just been it's been a fun journey kind of reading different kinds of things and yeah giant days i never thought i'd pick this up like in a million years and i'm so happy that i did because it is kind of quite removed from yeah what my usual would be but i think it's quite indicative of what my tastes are <laughs> at the moment in terms of the kind of things that I'm really liking reading and just the humorous side of things. Yeah, I think it's definitely one that I will recommend on on the Facebook page for, for the podcast. I think uh, definitely think it's worth a try. Um, so um, maybe we could talk a little bit about, we're doing a, a collaboration actually, maybe we could talk very, very loosely about uh, about what, what, what we're, we're planning to, to work on. Yes, yes. So, Vark, um, like, how much detail do you kind of want me to kind of give? Or <laughs> well, you know, it's it's early days, <laughs> but um, there is a script, and uh, you know, maybe just uh, we could just talk about the development where where we're at and and where we're hoping to be. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so we're kind of yeah, so at, like the early stages of it. It's been, I guess, a time thing on both our sides. Um, but yeah, you and Chris have kind of put together the script, so it's kind of on my side now. Just um re-looking at that I've been looking at quite a bit anyway but like now starting to visualize those characters and as you said it's all still kind of quite loose there's nothing kind of locked down and um, so it's going to be quite fun and nice to kind of have free reign with that and kind of try different things try different looks with these characters and kind of really root root that and see and allow that to kind of develop within the story as well um, so it's yeah, still kind of really early stages. I'm going to start looking at like those character developments, character designs, and then building the universe alongside that. So hopefully, well, most definitely, like by July, having kind of like a two-page sample to kind of showcase the current direction of where like where we're currently seeing it and the direction that we're kind of wanting to take it visually, um, obviously as well with the story as well. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, and uh, we will again. We will. Um, we will show you some of that work in progress uh, yes. as it develops. And uh, is there anything outside your day job that, that you could point people to? I do know you've got an Instagram that isn't work related. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I do have my Instagram, which is just uh, Instagram dot com uh, slash Bimpy Aliu. Um, I'm sure Phil will put the details, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just my Instagram. A lot of it's kind of like personal stuff, um, but it is all personal stuff. So just like concepts mainly, um, like concept art, and illustration. I haven't got many comic thing, comic-y things up there at the moment because I have just been working quite a lot on like painting and um, 3D kind of type stuff. But I am going to be putting more um, illustration stuff up at the moment because recently I have been doing a lot of kind of comic illustration sketches and i am working on a couple of things at the moment which are more comic based yeah. so i will be putting more of that stuff up um but it's just been interesting also as my painting and 3d kind of stuff has kind of developed a lot of my style in terms of comic artwork has kind of been developing um alongside of that and also i think having quite a different because saga giant days and I Kill Giants are all very different in visual style and um, 
which has been interesting because compared to the stuff I was reading before, which was all superhero based, they're all it was all kind of quite rooted in a certain kind of way. But these three are all very, very different, and I think have been taking different elements from all of those definitely and kind of working that into my style and tweaking things here and there and stuff like that um but I also as I said at the beginning of the podcast I did do some illustrations for a book called The Impossible um by Mark Ellis so that's two books I did the front covers and I did the inside illustrations for those um for those in particular that's a bit of a uh, a detour from what my usual style kind of is it was a lot more in line with um, giant days because I think that was the kind of look that they were kind of wanting to go for something a bit more loose and a little bit more animated so it was a lot of fun trying a different style um, which was yeah it's not something that I would kind of usually um, that is my usual go-to style but it was definitely a lot of fun and I was able to kind of take a lot of the stuff from that and now feed it into a lot of the work that I'm trying to do at the moment so yeah there will be a lot more comic illustration type things on my on my Instagram soon yeah, no, I think that's that's a good point, though, because there's always a, an expectation when you work with someone that you know, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of really excited to see what you come come up with uh, with the project that that we're working on. Yeah, and, definitely, yeah. You know, given given the the skills that you've developed, you know, since since you you left uh, the course and what that adds to your own visual style and your own mm. your own your own progress so so yeah i mean um please check out um the instagram i'll we'll put the i'll put the link up uh at a later date and uh thanks for joining us uh on this episode and hopefully we can speak again when uh saga volume 10 comes out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and more about bark as well exactly exactly thanks very much no thank you very very much for having me cheers Yes, bye. Next, an interview with new 2000 AD creator, Anna Barozova. Today we're joined by Anna Morozova. Uh, hi, Anna. Hiya. <laughs> uh, I wonder if uh, you could tell us about your comics background. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, comics background. Um, I've always been interested in comics, um, but when I was growing up, I can't really say that there was much choice. There wasn't really much to choose from. Like occasionally, I would like come across some random comics and just buy them. Um, there were like ones that I particularly liked, mm-hmm. um, and they were drawn by Italian artists um, who used to work for Disney. So I think they were kind of the first major influence for me. And I was like, oh, that would be like just so cool to do something like that. But then again, I was so far away from the industry and I had no clue about, you know, um, where comics are actually getting drawn or who like makes them. So I kind of abandoned this hobby and just like chose a completely different route. Uh, something still design related, um, um, but there was not much drawing involved. So I thought that maybe, you know, like drawing is uh, not for me, comics are not for me. Um, let's go for something a little bit more technical. And then once I kind of graduated from this course, um, um, I, just, I just decided that I'll actually give comics another chance and just give it a go. And I started reading them again and I started practicing more drawing. So, yeah. And uh, you, you actually came on to, to our course a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, and talk, talk a little bit about your, your, your influences and, and your art style. 
influences in art style, I, as I was saying, just like I really like the, the kind of Italian school of artists because they're pretty good and like many of them they work for Disney. But at the same time, it's not particularly my style either. I don't really draw like that. Uh, even though I'd like, I'd probably like to experiment with you know like cartoony style and just draw something a bit more Disney alike uh, in the future. But at the moment, this is not something I particularly do. Um, I think the major influence to me was um, Otto Schmidt. Uh, he's like a Russian artist as well. And I just happened to see his work on Kickstarter and I was like, oh wow. Uh, he was actually like doing his art book back then and I was like, I'll give it a try. I'll just try to draw something like that. And this is how I picked up drawing again and just started practicing and practicing. And then I started discovering more and more different artists. But by that time, I think my major influence is still uh, Otto and uh, Victor Kalvachev. He's really good as well. So they're probably the strongest ones. Okay. And um, in, in, a, in a drawing sense, uh, are you, did you start off traditional? Uh, I know you're digital now. So what was your yeah. workflow when you started? Uh, tra completely traditional. You know, like uh, when I was um, back in school, like many years ago, I would just like only draw traditionally because there was no much um, option for a digital anyway. And I would go, like I would attend drawing classes, but they were pretty boring and I didn't know whether it was something I really wanted to do. And we practiced, you know, like different kind of paint types and uh, oil painting and watercolors and stuff. And I would draw landscapes and I would draw like um, all, all, you, all the classics, you know, all the classic stuff. But then my design teacher, she gave me an opportunity to draw a bit um, something a bit more interesting and something like fantasy style. So that was uh, something I continued with when I picked up drawing again. So we just like buy lots of you know, sketchbooks and pencils and like the star sketching. And would mainly draw people and like facial expressions and stuff. Um, when I would try, you know, like to draw like a complete illustration, I think it was just too space consuming and because I'm a student you know like I would constantly move flats and like I have I would have to like take everything with me so at some point I was just like do you know what I, I can be bothered like carrying all those papers around there's like too many like sketchbooks that were started but then they were never finished you know like there's just like two pages used and I keep buying like the new ones so it was just like I'll just invest in like buy a graphics tablet and see how this goes. Yeah, I think I, I could uh, understand that, <laughs> you know, uh, carrying big you know, A1 portfolios about yeah, exactly, isn't, yeah. isn't much fun. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I suppose that, that that leads on to, you know, um, not just, you know, um, the storage of, of the art, if you want, mm -hmm. but that, the actual creation of it. Yeah. So what kind of software do you use now in your, in your pipeline? Well, Clip Studio is the main one. Even though I started with the Adobe package anyway, I was like, let's try drawing Photoshop, like so many brushes, it all seems so fun. But, you know, like, to be quite honest with you, uh, even at this point, I still quite like working with paper, just like trying to find the right anatomy and stuff, and then I can either take the pictures or scan it, and then develop it further um, digitally in Clip Studio. Or uh, alternatively, if I want to go all digital, I just draw on an iPad. And they're like really nice apps. They, um, they give you like the sensation of, you know, like the paper drawing and stuff and like different 
traditional tools. So um, I'm pretty satisfied when it looks like it was done by the actual pencil. Mm -hmm. And then I just transfer those files and like uh, develop them further um, in Clip Studio and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, after uh, you completed the course, uh, do you want to talk about your first main commission? Oh, totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which was quite, I don't know, it's, it's still a bit hard to believe because this is something really, really serious and I wasn't expecting anything like this. As I was saying, um, you know, at comics, um, I've always been like really intrigued by them. I really like them, but they always seem like, you know, an entertainment industry that exists somewhere and I don't really belong there. It's just like a different country, you know, because I come from like a different country and we don't really have like a comic book industry in there. Okay. So I was like, um, and 2018 is really, really big deal. And, and I've only been drawing comics properly for about a year. <laughs> like, as I was saying, I would draw, you know, like I would sketch, I would just like try draw something fun, but I would never have like the proper experience of completing like the amount of work um, that has to be consistent, that has to be like completed in one style. It has to be several pages. It's not just one thing. So um, yeah, it felt really great because it's a really huge honor to draw for 2018. Um, but at the same time, I did feel quite stressed about you know like like all the no pressure thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's it's interesting to say that because yeah I, I remember your portfolio and it wasn't what i would call traditional sequential no, not art base it was a lot of um really good pin-ups and, and 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 anatomy and drawing work mm. um but not really one coherent no. story and i think that's what i saw as you developed on uh, your work on, on the course is that you're able to, to, to adapt those skills and transfer those skills mm -hmm. and, and, and do the narrative side as well. Mm -hmm. So so that must have been a bit of a challenge, you know, when you got the script from 2018 yeah. of how you tackle that. Ah, right. Well, the script wasn't that long, which was very helpful. <laughs> it was only four <laughs> pages. So there was not that much problem with consistency, I think. And, um, to me, like I think the most difficult part is to learn planning in advance because I'm that type of person, and I think that like many people who draw, you know, many artists, they will probably find themselves sometimes in the same situation when you just too focused on one small thing, on details, on one page. And that was like my biggest mistake when completing the course here at the university. You know, like I would start off with like the first page, for example, and I would like dedicate so much time for it. When the rest, let's say, three pages would look a bit um, different, to say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> when, um, so when I started the 2000 AD um, gig, I was like, well, this is the time when I'm not really allowed to make the same mistakes or really plan it in advance. And, and I try to keep it not too detailed and I try to keep it a little bit simpler than I would normally do. And um, But you in a way that you could still tell the story, you know. Yeah. So, so you sort of play to your strengths in, in that respect. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and uh, essentially uh, a black and white piece. Black um, and white, yeah. No color required. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what was it like, you know, working with a, a scriptwriter which you you never actually met? How did you how did you deal with that? I'm a scriptwriter. Um, well, I I just do it. 
according to the script, you know, like I was sent a script and uh, I just had to work with what's there. And I thought that probably, uh, well, at this point, because I don't have that much experience, I'm not really sure whether like the artists and scriptwriters are they actually supposed to collaborate, but sometimes they are. Yeah, I think. it depends on, the, you know, it depends it on depends, how that comes yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, so over the years, yeah, there'll be a, a development mm -hmm. of, of that relationship and sometimes people go with a specific project mm -hmm. and they pitch it. But in the sense of 2000 AD, and the future shock and certainly mm -hmm. your first one yeah you'll you will just get given a script and yeah. there won't be that collaboration and no. it's kind of a test in a way i suppose yeah. you know to see how that it goes was, it was and uh, i was like i'm just not gonna you know like make any extra moves here i'm just mm. gonna complete my job because this is this is the most important part and then what comes next we'll just see so i didn't really um look up for the scriptwriter. i mean like i did my um research and I just like saw that he's a pretty experienced writer you know and he's done some amazing works and some really well-known uh, things and I was like well no pressure you know <laughs> I was trying not to I was trying not to put any extra pressure because there was already enough and I was like I'll just I'll just have to do it you know like a good job on this one yeah I think and uh, I hope I did <laughs> yeah. well I mean that's the thing it, it is you do put an artist does put quite a lot of pressure on themselves and especially a first big job like that, yeah. where you know you, you could, uh, uh, there could be a tendency to overanalyze it, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, and it's hard to, to look at it objectively. And I was lucky enough to see the process as you know as you went through it, you know. And I do think it is difficult when you kind of get caught up in the in in the small details that actually a reader might never pick up on no. you know and um, so so I think that's a, that's always a challenge for any mm -hmm. artist and uh, you know I think what's in your what's in your head or how you visualize it and how it transfers onto paper it's only really between you and the page isn't it yeah. at the end of the day you know no one else knows what you really want that to like going on in your head and what you're envisioning is your you know ideal page layout or ideal drawing so yeah I think like the, the hardest part as well is just when you when you've completed the work, you know it's done, and then like some time passes and you you're progressing as well, and you're looking back at it and you're like, ah, I wish I could have done this <laughs> a bit different. Yeah. But that's you know the part of the job, I think. Yeah, I mean ultimately, if if the editor accepts it, then that's a, a result, isn't it? Without any yeah, changes yeah. or any major changes, <laughs> so that that's yeah. But I think every artist does that and looks back at their their old work and goes, oh, well, I could have done this, could have done that, but I think that's a natural thing. I think mm -hmm. if you handed in a job and thought, well, that's the best thing I've ever done, then there'd be an issue there, you know, if you mm -hmm. thought that, you know, because mm -hmm. it's never going to be no. exactly how you want it. There's deadlines, there's, you know, there's just, uh, you know, where you are in your career, you know, mm -hmm. there's the technique that you've used and all those kind of things come into play that I think anyone who looks at their work and thinks that is amazing then i think has uh, been delusional maybe <laughs> you know Probably, but, yeah. but i have to say that, that the final outcome and, and it should be out soon in, in 2080 uh to me uh, looked, looked very very good so um we're looking forward to that one coming yeah, out so fingers crossed <laughs> so um <laughs> so um and uh, we all we'll put a little um a message out uh, through the facebook page of when that uh, that issue is available mm -hmm. uh, at a later date so uh so beyond that i and you, you have just completed a, a small uh, job for us at the university. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, the anthology cover. Yes. 
anthology cover. The anthology cover, uh, it's interesting. It's my first cover, yeah, ever. Mm. Even though it doesn't really look too much, um, like you know, like a very complicated and uh, over detailed cover. It's still like um, it still requires some thinking process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, like um, because um, anthology includes you know like work from undergrad students, and there's like uh, quite a selection of different art styles and uh, different topics covered and stuff. So, from, like on one hand, you're giving you like a pre-brief. You're like you just draw a cover, and you're pretty much allowed to draw something that you really want to. And at the same time, it's really preferable to me at least to somehow reflect what's going on inside the book, even though, you know, you know that the stories are not related completely. So this is how I decided to draw a circus announcer, you know, just because, you know, like you never know what's going to happen inside. So <laughs> um, I thought it was a bit quite smart, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I had a lot of fun drawing this and... Um, the stages, you know, like it, it's 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 quite interesting because like what the final outcome, like what people see, is just you know like one small image, but it actually went through like multiple and multiple stages, and the initial idea was completely different, even though it was like the same topic, but was still like wanting to like to be. I wanted it to be like kind of, you know, like entertainment circus related, but at the same time. I had like multiple sketches of different like anatomy poses and like what I wanted to draw. And then eventually it just came down to this final one final thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's an interesting progress. Yeah, and again we'll post a, a, a sample of that uh, up on on the Facebook page. But uh, yeah, it is a challenge, and it's deliberately mm. a, an open an open brief because my philosophy is that you know, I want the artist to bring something to the to the table. Yeah. And I think if if you over prescribe that, then then it becomes less creative. Yeah, you know. And we're really happy with it. So again, uh, we'll post the, the the results of that, and the anthology is out pretty soon in, in April. We we hope of the current work. Um, so that brings us kind of up to date. And what what we'd like you to do today is talk about a classic comic that you've brought in mm -hmm. with you, or a graphic novel, and a contemporary uh, comic or graphic novel. Mm -hmm. So uh, so what have you brought in uh, for your classic? Uh, choice today. Okay, so the classic one, since we're in, in the UK, we're in Britain, right? So, <laughs> at, at the moment, yeah. It has to be. Um, and here at this point, I kind of have to mention that, you know, like, um, even though I was interested um, by comics before I came to the UK, uh, I didn't know that much of history. So, essentially, I started like exploring and I started like educating myself in comics when I actually came here. And especially when I joined, you know, like the master's program here as well. So, 2000 AD was, you know, like the must read and the must, must have in your collection. Um, so, my like the favorite one is Nemesis the Warlock. Mm -hmm. Um, by 2018. Um, I think it's really great and this book actually like I got it by accident I just saw it um, in a window screen I was like well, let's just let's just go for it because the cover looks so good <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's just like so unusual um, so when I opened it I was like I just like saw the amount of work and the amount of detail that actually goes into like went to this and I was like this is just amazing and the artist done a really amazing job and even though it's not particularly the art style I would 
usually be keen on because there's not many you know like people featured and stuff but yeah actually the topic itself and um, that's what got me really interested in this one i think it's extremely witty i think it's extremely smart i think it's very ironic and sarcastic uh, and re in a really you know unique 2008 way mm -hmm. um and with art especially you know like once you start reading it um you notice like the tiny tiny details in the backgrounds um that actually add up to the story a lot yeah. and there's a lot of stuff going on that actually kind of shows you um more about the environment you're reading about yeah, so, it's a world building. I yeah. mean, it is book one we're looking at here, and, and also book two collection. It's the ultimate mm -hmm. collection. Uh, so we have uh, Pat Mills and Kevin Neal set mm -hmm. up the the world, and you know, yeah. and set up in a, in a very vague way actually, because Nemesis doesn't even appear in the first you know no. couple of episodes, <laughs> you know, uh, until it starts proper, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, and then, then it really kicks, it shifts up a gear. But like you say. It is all okay. It's this alien world and the aliens and the humans. Even the humans in it are not very human like. They're not. No, it's um, it's really interesting how they just kind of reflected on very dramatic and very tragic um, topics that take place in you know human world and just flipped it. And here we go. We have this like um, the reflection, the mirrored version mm -hmm. of our own society, but. Um, it just like gives you different perspective from what you like think. Yeah, and I have to say as well that style, you know, Kevin Neal's style at that point, very uh, angular, sharp, mm -hmm. clean line, and very distinctive for for its time. Because now we're talking about you know uh, a number of years have passed since it, since it first came out. Yeah. But to me, it still looks really contemporary. And obviously, Kevin Neal is still yeah. still working in the industry, is just completing the te uh, the Tempest, you know, with Alan yeah. Moore. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a great choice. So so, what did you think about it, you know reading it for the first time and not having that kind of uh, connection to it when it was originally published? I mean, did you read it in as, as in one go in, in this in this collection? Or how did you engage with it? Because it was originally brought out in uh, weekly installments in two thousand AD, yeah. but did you kind of read it as one kind of block? I'm just interested. One kind of block, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I started, as I was saying, like when I opened it, it was like, wow, the art is just like so different. It doesn't look as something I'm so used to you know <laughs> I actually found um, I thought that there, it's so detailed that maybe it's even a bit difficult to read uh, when you first like having a look at this but once I started reading I didn't notice it I actually went through the entire book <laughs> just because it was so interesting and um, the actual story um, is very catchy I think it's very you just want to know what happens next mm. really it's not only about you know just beautiful imagery even though the imagery is really really nice uh i think it's um a unique comic where you have like something really different style wise and the story wise and it works very very well yeah it's very inventive isn't it the first mm. few few episodes it does go big to um it's uh, Redondo uh, take, takes over the art uh, chores on, on the second book. But again, that, that's very distinctive as well. Very European style of art, you know, yeah. very, much looser than, than, than Kev O'Neill's. But I really liked book two. It was, it was always left out of the initial reprints, which mm -hmm. I thought was really odd, purely because it, just, it wasn't Kev O'Neill's work, you yeah. know. But I'm kind of glad that in this collection, uh, as you go further in, that 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 the Redondo's work is 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 in there, yeah. and and it is a it is a different feel, but it 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 works for that storyline, I think. It does. 
you know, it's a very European feel and very, it's a bit more, it's a bit grittier, it's a bit, uh, you know, a bit more smudgy, I suppose. And But the movement is, is you know, is, is in there. And I was always a fan of Redondo's mm-hmm. work. So I always feel like book two is kind of uh, underappreciated, you know, if yeah. I'm being honest with you. Uh, and almost a bit of a departure from from the other books mm-hmm. in a way. So, you know. I don't know. I think it's probably the first kind of story that actually made me appreciate the story much more than the art behind comics. Right. <laughs> Even though I still think that the art is really nice, but I think it was like the first uh, book that I actually read properly just because of the story. Because? Be- because of the combination of art and the yeah. story. It wasn't just, you know, because before I would buy lots and lots of comics just because the images were nice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wouldn't even bother reading them. Like I would start and I would just like abandon at some point because I would think that the story just doesn't make sense. It just like doesn't doesn't work. Um, it's just like for the images. Yeah. It kind of supports the images in sense. <laughs> uh, just to make it look like a comic. Yeah, that, no, that's, I think that's definitely an artist's point of view, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 used to, I used to do that, I got to admit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, this has an, an engaging story and uh and it's 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 quite unusual like see they've flipped the viewpoint if you want and uh, the humans are the the villains if you want you know and although again there's there's i mean i don't think there's spoilers here but again it kind of flips back and forward to good and you know and evil you know the thing about it there's no like pure good there's no pure evil and that's really nice you know it's a really good um like it's it's their own style, and I think it's just more um, natural in a sense mm. uh, because you at some point you just might get fed up with like pure evil and pure good. You know, it just doesn't exist yeah. really. And even here, you know, like with the um, main kind of bad guy of the story, the Turkimani, you think like he's uh, he's a complete evil, but you know, like there are some pages when he's expressed in like extremely funny way, and you just think that. <laughs> Well, he's um, he's well, <laughs> being in existence as well, you know. Like, there's a lot of humor actually yeah. attached to his character, so which is quite. Well, it's, it's arguable that you know Torquemada is the main character, mm-hmm. really. You know, you can, you can <laughs> tell that that Pat Mills obviously has a bit more fun writing yeah. Torquemada yeah. than he does Nemesis, and Nemesis is a bit kind of ambiguous yeah. at times, and gets even more ambiguous. Uh, as the books go on. I mean, have you read beyond the first few books? How far have you got into the series? Is this the one that you've kind of picked up? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's, I think that it goes up to 10 books from my, my memory of it, and uh, which went... This is from my reading list. Yeah, and, and I have to say it goes off in some very unusual directions mm-hmm. and, and really, really good directions, you yeah. know, uh, and it's one of, one of my one of my favourites as well. But I came to it quite late. I came to it book four mm-hmm. when uh, Brian Talbert was, uh, took over the, the, the art on, on uh, the Gothic Empire, mm-hmm. uh, even though Kevin O'Neill started that book. Um, and it's a, it's a different feel. It, it does turn into slightly more adventure-based and then the ABC Warriors come into it. Mm-hmm. Sorry again if that's a spoiler to people. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, but if, but if you're concentrating on the first, on the first few books... Mm-hmm. It's a much more fantasy-based narrative and drawing style. What, and, and do you think that's what appealed to you about it? The fantasy elements? The fantasy elements, yeah. Um, I think the idea was the most appealing thing hmm. with this one. Um, and just as I was um, saying before, you know, like the amount of 
tiny details that you don't really notice at first sight. But mm -hmm. like, what if you go back to this book and you read certain pages again, you will start noticing, and then like certain things they start making even more sense, just because of the way they worked out um, the environment and the details of the environment and the characters. Uh, not the main characters, but you know, like the secondary characters, they mm. just still all adapt to this like complete ultimate crazy fantasy that takes place in this. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a good good choice, and uh, yeah, and again, it is available in the the ultimate collection, but other collections are are available. Um, there's been a number over over the years, mm -hmm. uh, definitely worth tracking that down. So, so that's your classic choice so what's your uh contemporary choice that you brought along with the you contemporary one right the contemporary one is by italian artist that actually inspired me when i was a child mm. you know and uh so when i grew up and i got back to comics i was like let's just like google what those guys do like <laughs> what's what's taking place now so this is how i discovered skydoll uh so this one is by alessandro barbucci and barbara canepa and they are amazingly talented and i know that the barbara she comes from the uh, architectural background and um, which actually shows in the work you know and i'm a person who who struggles with background sometimes with the building drawing uh, but she completely nails it you know and they also create um a fantasy world um and why i actually picked this one because this is like a more modern uh version um that actually brings up similar topics to the ones you can see in nemesis the warlock mm -hmm. so it's still you know like uh it's uh aliens it's um fantasy it's sci-fi um and it's all about the imperfections of our world essentially <laughs> <laughs> well this one well, this one is more like um i'd probably say that um definitely 2008's version is much more fun to read this one is just really nice to look at just because it's uh, absolutely beautifully drawn. Mm -hmm. uh, the artwork is amazing in this one. Like, but yeah, so both, both the contemporary and both the classics all about the imperfections of our society. Yeah, and again, I, I create a, a, a visually a really interesting world as well. And a really nice painterly style. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Nemesis black and white uh, for, for the most part and this one is complete color yeah mm -hmm. and digital color looks like to me but but yeah. done in a very painterly way yeah. Yeah. so did that attract you or did that was that an influence into because you know you, you 2000 AD work yourself is in black and white you mm -hmm. know so far and mm -hmm. uh and then but the work you did on the course you did some black and white strips mm -hmm. but then you progressed to some color and the color palettes and the the cover that you've just completed for us are pretty strong. So do you think there's some sort of influence coming through there, potentially? Um, I'm not too sure to be quite honest with you. Probably yes, probably not. I just really like colors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to be quite honest with you, I really enjoy you know, like black and white as well. But I think that black and white is tricky because it can become a bit too heavy sometimes. Uh, and I'm not talking about black and white when black and white is designed to be colored. I'm mm -hmm. actually talking about black and white. It's supposed to be black and white. And yeah. you never know whether it's going to be colored or not. But, so with black and white, I really enjoy when it's not overly inked, uh, when there's really nice balance. And I'm still, I think, 
I'm still on my way of finding that really nice balance in black and white because sometimes I switch to grayscale and I add grays and I don't think it's like really necessary sometimes. I think it would be better to actually learn how to work with just white and black. But the colors, um, I just really enjoy color work. Um, I just never really had chance to complete like, um, um, you know, like a huge amount of pages the way I want to. Because um, some of my work that I completed in color, it had to be done really quick. And so I didn't really experiment that much. So I just tried, you know, like the base flats and then I added some shadows and stuff. But with this particular book, you can see that there's like multiple and multiple layers. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much more to it color wise. So, yeah, I think that this is like the influence, uh, but the potential influence. So it's something that I'm planning to do in the future color wise. I think that's interesting when you have an artist who colors their own work and then when you work with a colorist, yeah. which is something you've never really done, I imagine, is work with a, yeah. a color. Would you be up that's for right. that? Yeah, would you be up for that, do you think? Would you like to see someone else oh, color your work? Yeah. yeah, 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 that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, that's always an option. I, I would prefer somebody to ink it for me. But... <laughs> 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 well, I suppose that could be a reason. But no, totally. I think it's, it's interesting, you know, um, I think what helps sometimes actually using the grayscale in Eclipse Studio, you know, you can uh, potentially, if you're working with a person who is going to color your work, you can hint at what is going to be highlighted, what is going mm -hmm. to be darkened. You can use grayscale for it. Um, and then the person who is going to color it, they already have like a clue about your vision, what your like um, initial color plans for however sometimes i don't know i think maybe people just like completing just their job and giving um the rest to somebody who's going to color it for them so, yeah. yeah i know some artists do actually do a, a tone pass a, a gray tone pass before mm -hmm. they color either themselves or before they pass yeah. it on to a colorist because you can identify areas of light and shade mm -hmm. and where the light's coming from mm -hmm. and there's no kind of yeah. ambiguity or it's not going to get lost in translation but but i mean the example we've got in front front, front of us at the moment i mean the, the colors in there and, and certainly the light sources are very strong and distinctive and the color palettes and the color range if you want i mean we just flipped it to, to another page here and it's very nice purple really hues good. and you know and there's a lot of um color holds where the the line work is you know is isn't black you know it's uh, mm -hmm. so it kind of softens the the yeah. look a bit and do you think that's something you might look into more is that using the color holds you know because your work is quite um bold and strong yeah and um it might be a case i mean i think your color palettes are really strong in the work that you did mm -hmm. you know on, on the course i'd like to see where that goes next you know goes. yeah I'm actually planning to soften it all up a little bit mm -hmm. and you know like at the moment I don't usually color the line work I usually leave it black uh, but I would like to try coloring the artwork or probably um, go for like softer inking and for inks probably using you know like multiple kind of pencil layers and stuff to yeah. make it, it actually gives a bit more volume mm -hmm. to the artwork even though I really enjoy inking um, and I think the inks, um, you know, like they can be masterfully performed. I think it would be worth experimenting with like slightly softer lines yeah. and um, just give it a bit more depth so it doesn't look as flat. 
I mean, that's 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 the thing. Some sometimes now people will go in, they won't go for full inks, they'll go for you know really tight pencil work, mm-hmm. and then go in with the color, and there's certainly room mm-hmm. room for that, especially if you're working digitally. Yeah. Where you were talking, you know, pencils in the traditional sense, but really pencils digitally uh, can soften that. And there is an element of that in the choice you've you've brought in. You know, looking at some of the panels, there's there's not a hard line as such, and mm-hmm. it's quite you know it's quite uh, loosely drawn it. It actually looks to me like it's been kind of digitally penciled rather yeah. than digitally yeah, inked. And, you know, the, you know, and and th- I think that's that's what's really appealing about this 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 collect this book and it, this is a, uh, one book out of a collection is that correct yeah yeah there are multiple books yeah i think this one uh let's see there's definitely not the first one i think it was the second one mm-hmm. yeah because i read the first one uh online and then this one i actually bought yeah <laughs> for the collection just to have it to see how it looks on paper yeah but yeah the story itself is um I think it is engaging in a really nice kind of Disney way because you have this like really nice main character and you want a happy ending for her and you want her to solve all her mysteries, you know. But I think the art is what actually dominates in mm. the series here. Yeah. Um, because in you know, Nemesis, the warlock, to me, it was the combination of both. Um, and I would never like get bored reading this. Um, with, however, with this more contemporary choice uh, with uh, Knepos and Barbucci's work, I find that uh, the story is a bit um, tiring at some point. Is it is it a translation? Because I'm looking at the lettering and it, it feels to me like it's translated, obviously, from its original source. Because, uh, is, yeah, 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 because the balloons have got a lot of dead space yeah. in, in them. And, and again... I think the original was Italian. Yeah. And then they translated it. Yeah. Yeah, you get in like many different languages. But that's interesting that you've picked up on that, the fact that, you know, this is something that really drew you in from, from the art side. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting about that dynamic because we have a lot of people on the course who, who like to do their own scripts and create the whole mm-hmm. project. And then we have other people who prefer to work with a writer and let them deal yeah. with that. And... I can't know the answer to this, but what's your preference, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, when it comes to that? Definitely pure art. Yeah. No scripts for me, no. Um, yeah. Even though... Um, like, I, I really enjoyed uh, working with adaptations. Yeah. I actually enjoy yeah. the process of, you know, like, choosing what's important in the story, what's not really that important, and being in control and in charge, but then at the same time, there was already the material written by somebody else. Um, writing my own script from scratch, I don't think I would be able to do that. At least at this stage, at this moment, no. Maybe in the future, if I really come up with something, um, some great idea, I might do something like that, or probably, you know, like commission a writer to develop an idea for me, just because yeah. I have no clue. Um, as a reader, um, I might know might feel what story works and which one doesn't really work for me. Uh, but being able to actually write an engaging story, I think I think it's very difficult. Mm. It is really difficult. So at this moment, I'd probably not touch this territory and just uh, try to master what I already have and just try to develop my own drawing skills. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I mean, um, I, you did an adaptation for your final, you know, 
piece of work mm -hmm. on the course and I think that was a, a good move because it is very difficult to write a script for yourself and maybe not always a, a realistic you know um well, yeah and, and it's and it's and it's not you know some people just don't like that prescribed nature because it stiffens up what you do ultimately when you start to draw if you it's like writing your own brief for a project mm -hmm. it's like it's it's very tricky to do because you've got to give yourself room to maneuver within that to make it creatively interesting otherwise you're just ticking boxes yeah. you know so uh, you know there's obviously room for both you know ways you know mm -hmm. and i think adaptation or collaboration or if you have an idea then to collaborate with a writer is 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 the right thing to do but then like you say never say never you know um, i think the collaboration is just a bit smarter option uh because you always get this kind of alternative perspective there's always somebody else who can um advise on certain things and you don't get stuck with like the script and the art i think that if if you're trying to do both it just like the chances are that you might not end up doing well <laughs> at least in either like at least in you know like one field um Maybe some people are capable of doing this. I'm, I just know that I'm not, and I don't have like illusions when it comes to like script writing or something. I think that choosing the information to work with that's one thing, but like writing a script from scratch. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. And like you say, that that's something you could always develop. You know, as time time yeah. goes on, and and you'll learn a lot with working with mm -hmm. other writers anyway. Mm -hmm. And you know, and and it might be that that collaboration is what makes it. I mean, I'd argue, you know, that you know the. The genius of of, of uh, Nemesis is the the idea, but it is the combination of you know uh, Pat Mill's script yeah. and, and Kevin Neal's artwork initially, and how how they work as a team, you yeah. know, and that went on to Martial Law as well, and they collaborated on on that. And sometimes these partnerships work, mm -hmm. and sometimes they they don't, you know. That's and what I'm afraid of. Because <laughs> if they don't, it means you're you're basically you know. Um, well, I don't want to say wasting your time because you're not wasting your time if you're doing creative work. You're actually developing, but then at the same time, if, uh, you need to earn money. Yeah. yeah, it is the ultimate dilemma, you know. And, and it, there's, there's yeah. no point in being self-indulgent either. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when you have a sole creator, mm -hmm. um, it it can potentially be self-indulgent, you know. And sometimes it's good to have that distance. You know, yeah. um, and and you're doing your part of the job if you want, you know, uh, and uh, and and putting it into those different, you know, compartments yeah. if you if you want, you know, so that it doesn't disappear, uh, you know, uh, up its own self, <laughs> uh, you know. So um, so that that's I think that's you know that's quite a an interesting angle on it, I think, because not, you know, more and more often now, and I certainly see it, you know, people coming through the courses, people want to be the sole creator and have ownership of it. It's really nice it. in theory. Yeah. It's really nice in theory, but I think um, it always, it depends on the person, obviously, and it depends on the person's background. Um, it's it's really nice. The, the idea behind it, I, I get it, it's, it's really good, but I, I think that sometimes it's better to choose something, um, one thing to focus on first, and then you can always develop um, other skills in the future once you're quite certain about what you were doing in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get it. It's uh, it's nice. It will be good. Yeah, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we'll go back to to, to your choice yeah. uh, again, and again, just having a having a look yeah, through, it. and again, we'll post the. I totally recommend it if you're really into. 
you know, like great visuals and great color work. I think this is something to have. Even if you're not particularly interested in the story itself, I think it's just, it's great for, you know, inspiration and stuff. Because the color work is just fantastic. Yeah, it is, you know. And, and what, what's interesting to me actually is, is the page layouts as well. There's actually quite a lot of panels on, on each page. Yeah. Uh, and you said it was originally digitally released. Well you, well, you read it digitally first. I read it yeah, digitally. but you read no. you read it as a digital page, not as you know. In, a in a, yeah, page, yeah, yeah, because there is a lot of panel panels on small panels, but a tremendous amount of detail within there, um, which is quite unusual because it's slightly wider than a standard you know American mm-hmm. size comic. It's not American comic, obviously, but the, the format of it mm-hmm. is slightly wider. It's more it's more like a European size. It's like yeah. in the format here presented. Uh, this is the Titan uh, reprint that we've got in front of us. It's presented more like a, you know, uh, a European mm-hmm. um, a graphic novel rather than a comic or a book. And I think that format is quite interesting as well because it, it feels more substantial mm-hmm. as well because mm-hmm. of that. I think. Yep. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it's it is it is something I have to say that you know, I would recommend as well and. Um, and the, the, the characterization uh, in there and the, the facial expressions and the, the level of detail is, is kind of incredible. It is. It is quite Disney. <laughs> but it's... With an edge. It's, it's got it's an edge to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really nice. Um, yeah, I think that for people who are really into kind of cartoony style, this is something to look at. Yeah, okay, great. Well, thanks for, for bringing that along. Uh, and uh, briefly, anything coming up uh, that you can talk about, or is it all everything under wraps at the moment? <laughs> under wraps. <laughs> no, at the moment, um, I'm completing uh, a small number of pages for Comic House. So it's all going to be black and white again, so there's not going to be much experimentation in terms of colors and stuff. Uh, and I'm planning to keep it quite simple, quite black and white, rather than, um, well, actually, hmm, line work, um, I think, I think it's going to be quite, um, it's not going to be over detailed, but it's going to be quite clear. Um, I'm actually this time planning to go for something like cleaner and clearer style-wise, so, you know, like the actual main message is delivered and the actual script is quite fun so um i'm gonna go too much into the details at the moment but there's like a lot of things to to draw so it's quite fun and we'll see how this one turns out okay and that should be available later in the year from from comic house uh, friend, friends of the of the podcast yeah. <laughs> um so great so thanks thanks for coming along today and and uh and bringing along your choices yeah. and uh we'll keep an eye out fun. for your future shock when it eventually lands in, in 2000 I AD. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't oh, That will be so much relief, I think. <laughs> I yeah. just can't wait to see how this actually, how it's going to look once it's all letters and stuff. Um, and actually seeing it in print and then hearing what people say, you know, fun times I had. I was looking forward to that. Okay, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you. Join us next time on Comic Scene, the podcast.